Hello and welcome, one and all, to Two Beers, Please. I am Matthew Phillips, he's Yannick and Carmesal, and we are ready to get into it today, talking everything in the sports world, our second episode of the year. And again, our main focus, of course, going to be the NFL playoffs, we'll review the wild card round, we'll preview the divisional matchups, uh, but we also got some some college b-ball, little soccer, some other sports news, so... So don't worry, it's not all NFL. It's the NFL is the main course, but then we got a lot of nice, you know, appetizers, side dishes, dessert. It's a full, you know, it's a four course meal. Oh, that's so funny because I was just thinking about it as, you know, last episode was very much like a, it was a big plate of pasta, you know, and it was all football pasta. And this one's like a paella, you know, you got some seafood in there, you got some pasta, you got some spices, you know, you got a little of everything. <laughs> Football uh, I like that. I like football <laughs> pasta, and I guess sort of football paella because it's still football based. It's still a football based uh, uh, episode. Yeah, which you know, all paella has like you know, because you got know, certain seafood or whatever. I love paella. Oh, I, so so oh my God, good, so good. The best, so good, so good. Saffron, uh, any any paella that's like seasoned with saffron, I'm I'm here for. When it's like real yellow and seasoned, that's, Ooh, yeah. that's that's the paella I want. And just like just a mix of seafood, like you don't mm. you don't even really know what seafood you're taking a bite of, but you just know it tastes delicious. I want to go to Spain and literally just like gain ten pounds of paella. Oh, I mean, you can. That is available to you if you ever right. want to, Matt. Just know that's right. that's that's there go to, for you. Go to soccer matches and eat paella, and that's and drink wine. I got. I'm a, I like. I like Spanish wine. Spanish wine is good. Spanish wine is good, and take naps. And it's like <laughs> it's like culturally culturally encouraged that you take naps in like the middle of <laughs> so the day. True. It's so funny. Uh, we've had a couple friends go to Spain. At least I've had a couple friends go to Spain. And I feel like all of them, like, stayed there longer than they meant to. So, um, It's like, I'm not leaving. And I was like, fair. <laughs> My buddy, you know, you know Evan. Yes. Um, he, I think he studied abroad there. Now, now I'll be able to see if he ever listens to our episodes. I'm like, dude, remember when I called you out? Mm. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I know he, I know he spent some time there. I think in Sevilla. Mm. And, uh. So he always talks about going back, and I'm just like, if you do, let me come with you. I probably, I kind of want to work on my Spanish a little bit, but mm. I can get along. Yeah, and luckily you can. the rest of the world makes it so easy on us Americans. They're just, they're just like, you know what? We'll just learn English for you dumbasses. Like, yeah, I like every time I've gone to Europe, it's been so easy to get it. Like, I guess I've only gone to France and Italy that weren't English speaking, but like, it did not hinder my ability to do anything right there's very few countries that are like no english here and those countries um i don't think i would visit those countries very often in general i they're, they're not the friendliest countries so right. I, I wouldn't i wouldn't visit it's those not really a top of the uh, tourist destination anyway right i'm not gonna go to belarus anytime soon you know i feel like eh, i don't need to maybe one day but yeah, yeah. I'll get, we'll get to Min Minsk. Minsk. Min Minsk. 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 Yeah. Minsk. Minsk. There you go. I'm currently trying to learn all the uh, European capitals. I can I can look at a map and almost tell you every, where every single country, which country each one is. I just don't have all the uh, Oceania or Oceania. Oceania. How, how do you pronounce that? 
okay. we should just we should just call it Australia, which I always thought was funny. But I was just like, why well, is Australia going to also be the continent? So I'm glad we got a name change there. I always thought that just it didn't sit right with me. As much as I like Australia, you don't get to be a country and the continent. Wait, that's a change. I didn't know that. Oh, dude, growing up, it was like they just referred to like all of those countries, like New Zealand, Samoa, Tonga, which hope everyone is doing well there. Um, uh, yeah, they just like refer to that area as like Australia. And then. No, I knew that. I didn't know oh, they changed. Oh, like did they change? Yeah. I didn't like, know that. Just, right? <laughs> I don't know when, but I just noticed in general that like now it's it's like the same designation that they, those countries have in uh, like the FIFA thing. Right, right. Which always made more sense to me because it was just right. everything in that quadrant of the world. I think it is Oceania because Oceania sounds weird. <laughs> yeah. Just, Oceania? Weird. You're like, no, we don't like that. That's weird. This That's... word, ha- yeah, this word's just going to sound different in this location. <laughs> Downgrade. How did we get to talking about... Paella. I brought up paella. We got real off track. I really apologize about that one. <laughs> no, I think that's good. I like to mix that with non-sports talk. Uh, we'll get back on track, though. Make sure you are following the Instagram account, two beers, please, underscore podcast, and the Twitter, the number two, BP underscore podcast. Uh, and then like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And please, 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 if you have not, give us a nice little review. You don't even have to say anything. You can just, like, give us the stars. Um, and, you know, preferably good. Uh, I suppose if you listen to us enough, you I don't know why you would would keep on listening to something you don't enjoy. But I feel like I've probably done that with, like, TV shows where I'm just like, I'm in, I'm in it now, so I got to keep on watching it. But please do leave us a review. They really do help um, kind of help get the show out and, Get us uh, a little more publicity, exposure. Yeah, exposure, publicity. I feel like exposures. Publicity seems like too grand of a word for it. Uh, okay. <laughs> we, don't, we, don't, we don't deserve publicity yet. We're still just working with exposure. There, love it. <laughs> love the honesty. <laughs> well, you know, you got to be true. Well, Jan, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing well. You know, I've, I worked the last four days. So today, today through Sunday, I'm off. So I've just been catching up on some sports news going into this making sure i i kind of have my wits about there's a lot there's a lot and i that's why this whole morning i was like oh let me just like watch some stuff make sure i know what's going on i was like oh uh oh okay oh got it so (laughs) everything's crazy got it um and so i was doing that but yeah otherwise doing well it's cold but you know staying warm inside uh and enjoying my little brooklyn abode uh, I've got a beer in my hand and enjoying it nicely. What are you sipping on? I am sipping on a Lagunitas little something, little something, something ale. Little you know? something, something. Little Dude, something, I love something. Lagunitas. It's great. It's I'm great. A fan. I've never had a bad time with Lagunitas, you know? I would agree. I've never had a bad time. I would agree. I got a, I got a, one of those Stellas that's been sitting in my fridge, uh, as I break my dry January for the show. <laughs> Which I think is like that's uh, that's allowable, yeah. Because it's you know, also I could just be lying to you all. You'll never know. You'll never, never know, know. Until, until we start doing until we start doing because there are hundred percent of times where I'm just like I'm not having a beer. It's yeah. like because we've done the show like early before on like a Wednesday, and it's just like I know it's one beer, but no, that sounds horrible. But like if we do ever bring in some cameras and shoot this thing, which would be fun to do and i hope we do it at some point um 
I'm like, well, you can't lie then. I guess you can like empty it out and that seems like a lot of work. I'll that just, seems like a lot I'll of work. Drink a beer. And if people are gonna be watching us on camera, I think I would rather be drinking a beer. You know, I think yeah. that would that would that would be good rather than trying to make up an excuse why I'm not or like faking. I'm just gonna drink at that point. Right. Yeah. Calm the nerves. Calm that's the nerves. That's a lie. Yeah, that's a lie. You know, you don't wanna mess it up. Uh, I'm doing well though myself. I wanna congrat or send congratulations to my good friends Brad and Alexa Shaleen on the birth of their new baby girl, Sadie Jane Shaleen. Congratulations, you guys. So happy for, for all three of you. Um, love you guys. And, and yeah, just very exciting news. And besides that, I'm just nervous as all hell. You know, yeah. I'm, I got my Packer something- on. I got my Packer jersey on. I got my Packer emblem up. And here's the thing, too, Jan. I, now I'm an owner. So I got more stakes in it. Now, I'm going like, to have some blowback. Yeah. Some blowback. They're going to be like, wow, our team was really going for it. And then Matt Smith bought ownership. And now the whole thing. Right. The whole thing tumbled. <laughs> I will question my decision making. Uh, what are you going to do? Luckily, as the owner, you can do whatever you want. Oh, that's true. Jerry Jones would been that for. Right. <laughs> We're both like, Jerry Jones. <laughs> Speaking of owners that are in a somewhat precarious situation, we will talk about that later. Uh, but yeah, I'm nervous. I, I think. I was kind of saying to you before, this one, this playoffs, I'm more nervous too because I feel like we should at least, we should at least go to the Super Bowl. Like once you get to the Super Bowl, it is really, it's kind of a toss up. Uh, I think we have as good a shot as, as anybody, but like this, this Packer team out of the four teams that are left in the NFC should go on, uh, particularly with home field advantage. And so I think that's why I'm, I'm so nervous now because it's like, yeah, you're always disappointed if your team gets knocked out of the playoffs, but there are times where your expectations are, you know, varied. Like, I mean, it sucked, of course, to watch your Patriots lose, but I think you can admit as a fan, like, you knew a, a Super Bowl, like, winning run was was going to be tough. Like, it wasn't really, like, what you expect. So, like, the loss stings, but it's one that can get out. Like, if we lose on Saturday, I'm going to be depressed for a month. Mm, that's fair. That's fair. And, you know, I I just think, yeah, you were speaking of things that you just continue watching even though you don't like it. That game was one of those things for me. I was like, this Sports. might get better. This might get better. Bad right? teams. Yeah. Manchester United. Oh, boy. Uh, the Celtics Hey, we beat Brentford. Hey, look at that. Top of the league coming soon. Couldn't believe <laughs> um, it. Couldn't, couldn't believe, believe it. Couldn't believe it. Um, yeah, it, I definitely agree. It's, it's a hard position to be in and it's a weird position to be in. Obviously being a Patriots fan for as long as I have, I've gone through a lot of Super Bowl appearances, which obviously has a lot of stakes. And I also think the ones we won, there was less stakes for me than the ones we lost. Both of the times we lost the Giants, I was like, there's no way we're going to lose. Not only because it was against the Giants, because our teams were so good that year. But, like, the one we won against the Seahawks, we shouldn't have won. And the one we won against the Rams, we should have lost to the Chiefs in the divisional round. Tom Brady, like, willed himself past Patrick Mahomes that year. And, like, glad it happened. But those games, I almost felt like, yeah, we might lose because Patrick Mahomes is great. But then, of course, you know, you go perfect in a season, and that's when you really get nervous because you're like, oh, man, our team's the best team. That means we have to win, and that's a lot of pressure. Uh, And also because, uh, you know, you said this too, this is maybe not the best. I don't know if best is kind of a subjective word. It's the most complete Packers team 
that has been around. You know, the run game has been building for the last couple years. Aaron Rodgers has been peak the whole time. Devontae Adams obviously only getting more and more elite. But now that defense is doing really well uh, as well, not only on the passing side, which they were doing the last two years, but also they've shored up that run defense. Not all the way, but enough where you feel like it's not like this gaping Better. wound. Yeah, like that. They, they can, I mean, they saw weaknesses. They're not a perfect team, but... No, but they but their weaknesses are not something that a team can pounce on and beat one way. You know, there's a lot of teams that have those weaknesses to them. And I think that um, I think that the Packers aren't one of those teams. So I know you're nervous. I know that especially with the 49ers being the opponent, you, you have flashbacks, of course. Um, oh gosh, so many times. They <laughs> so, were the other day. It was <laughs> talk about watching things that you don't. This was lit like I, what is it? Say to Mac when you just like torture yourself. Massive they were. Yeah. yeah. I it was so it was like ESPN sports or something. And they were like, here are the Niners against the Packers in the playoffs. And it was like so the last three games. And it was like the two games where Kaepernick just killed us and just like absolutely annihilated us. I, I will always kind of hate Colin Kaepernick, but because of what he did on the football field to my mm. team <laughs> off it. Great guy on the field. I hate his ass because he just tore my heart out like twice in the playoffs. It just couldn't stop him. And then, of course, the NFC Championship game a couple of years ago, which, like I said, like that one, I wasn't really expecting us to make a Super Bowl run. Still sucked. I mean, especially because we got our asses beat. But so they showed there's just the replays of all three of those games and like the big crucial plays and the big moments. And I'm just sitting here just like, God, that sucked. And that sucked. And I like, as it's in me, I start thinking to myself, I'm just like, why am I watching this still? Why <laughs> just change the channel? You are like, this literally blows. You're not, it was like TV was just on in the background. And then of course my attention perked up when I heard Packers and it's just like, what? Why? Yeah. I did that. That reminds me of a time that I, before Germany won the World Cup in 2014, right? They had like three straight World Cups of near misses. They went to the final and lost, and they went to semis twice and lost. And so right before we played uh, Brazil, and obviously that game became famous for us whooping their butt, but obviously right before we played Brazil, that's all ESPN was talking about. It's like, remember when... They lost to Brazil in the World Cup final. Remember they when they lost to Italy in the semifinals. Remember when they lost to Spain in the semifinals? And I'm like, yes, I remember. I remember. Can you Very stop? Vividly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, sports will do that to you. You remember the good times, but almost more importantly, you remember the bad. You oh, remember man. the bad. I'll never forgive Didier Drogba for the same reason for scoring that header and sending it to. Pa- I'll never forgive him. He right. could be. He could be the ambassador of the world. I would not forgive him. Right. I would not forgive that man. Yeah, no, it's uh, you just you can't get over it. It's 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 tough. But uh, let's let's get into some sports talk. We'll talk more about the Packers and Niners a little bit later. Uh, but let's get into it. Let's get some quick hits and kind of just some quick sports news. The Aussie Open underway, well underway by now. Mm-hmm. Yo- uh, Novak Djokovic, in the end, not allowed in Australia. He's booted. Oh, well, well, well. It was you know it was funny, uh, but it, like. Still, in the end, I'm, now I'm glad it's over. Like, it lasted long enough. It, you know, Djokovic's stupid BS taking center stage as it normally does too many times. Um, and then Mountain may even fall into the French Open, which, like, you kind of wonder for a guy who's right on the cusp of having the most Grand Slam titles in men's tennis history, how many times, like, I, I don't think he's near the end of his career 
by any means. Like I think Novak's gonna have plenty of chances to to get that twenty first Grand Slam or more. But when you're right there, like, are you really just gonna keep being like, no, I'm not gonna get this vaccine because of that? I, you know, I, I suppose that's what he wants to do. But it, it is a consideration. But from you know, like a tennis perspective, I think it's kind of great because particularly the Australian Open, Novak is dominated. Uh, he's won, I believe, the last three tournaments. Um, and so it's a tournament that on the men's side opens up a whole lot more. Yeah, it's it's um, it's it's that I think, you know, with Djokovic, I, I don't feel bad for him because he's also expressed that the reason he's not getting the vaccine isn't because of some belief he has against vaccines or even that he has some kind of he's not being a crusader for the anti-vax movement, right? He's literally going out there and saying, I don't want to. And it's like, if that's your answer, yeah, there were some miscommunications galore in that whole situation, but there can't be exceptions for stars when it comes to rules. And, you know, even if they weren't clear, there's an easy way for this to have all been solved. There's an easy way for this to have all been solved, and he didn't take it, you know? And this happens when you decide to, like, try to bend the rules. It's happened with sports players in the past. Oh, I didn't realize that was also considered doping. I wouldn't have done it otherwise. Yeah, well, you did. And you and you took that risk of not being 100% right. on something. And now you don't get to play. And I agree. I, I think he should just get vaccinated so he can start playing again because that's all anyone cares about him about. So let him continue to play. I agree. In the men's side, I think there's a lot of really interesting things that can happen. You know, some young guys that can make it through. I think Daniel Medvedev is is a really good kind of heir apparent to Djokovic and how he's kind of a jerk too. So I think that that would be really funny if he won this tournament. Uh, obviously, uh, my my German homeboy Alexander Zverev uh, has a great chance beat Djokovic in the Olympics uh, the last time they played for that gold medal. So I think he's got a great chance. And and speaking of like vets, Rafa Nadal is playing in this tournament. And, you know, maybe he wouldn't beat Djokovic, but Djokovic ain't there. And who are you going to go against when there's one guy that I trust against Rafa Nadal, and it's Novak Djokovic. And if he's not there, I don't know if I'm going for any other player, despite Rafa's, you know, age kind of wearing on his style of play. Uh, So I think there's a lot of interesting things that can happen. All the big guys are still in there still, for the most part, in the men's side. So I think we're going to have to wait till the quarterfinals for some to drop and for us to really have a favorite. Um... But yeah, the Djokovic, uh, the lack of Djokovic kind of really, really sets up an interesting tournament here. Yeah, it, it does. Uh, and, and you said it, like Rafa Nadal is the veteran. And, and this is a tournament that he's only won once. And I mean, I guess I was just saying about Joker being able to get the 21st and have the most. Rafa himself could go do it right now and then, and then have the most. I think most of us would probably expect Joker to still catch Rafa in the end but you know something to be said for still having the lead and, and getting that uh that um 21st uh grand slam before him and you said it there's so many like young guys uh Pablo Carino Boost is another guy who I, who I like to watch he's been really performing well in grand slams the last few years but you got Medvedev current favorite at, at plus 125 I want to build off winning that first grand slam at the end of last year at the here at the U.S. Open um, and so many of those other young guys, Rublev, Shapovalov, uh, Zverev, all trying to win their first. But I'm going to go with the, the the Greek. I'm going with Tsitsipas. I'm going to say I know Tsitsipas. Tsitsipas. Thank you. I'm going with him. I'm going with the youngster, the 23-year-old. I think he's going to go uh, nab his first. 
down in Dan Ende. He's he's an interesting one because obviously he had the really good uh, final tournament where he won everything against the, all the pros, um, the ATP final appearance, and he's been touted as this great young talent. He's still young. He's 23. Obviously, he has a lot of time. If he doesn't win this, it's not indicative of where he's going to go. But yeah, you start to you know wonder when he's going to win that first one. Same thing with Alexander Zverev uh, for a while. It's it's they are obviously good. They are in that conversation. But when yeah, they won all their those first, young, I mean, all those young guys, Rublev, Shabalov, I mean, all those guys haven't won one yet. So just, for, I think for all of them, it's kind of just like, all right, when are you going to win it? And and you know, particularly it's been tough with Novak not there. So now it's all right. Yeah, like you're one of you guys should probably go get your first one. Like as much as Rafa is is great and career wise, will probably finish all time great more than these young guys. They should probably take this grand slam over him right exactly because rafa nadal is is fantastic but he's older and this isn't his tournament that he's invincible in. we know that's the french open which he will win again next year because you can't beat rafa nadal in the french open but no. but um although he did he got knocked out last year and that gave joker the chance to have multiple did. have multiple titles at each uh grand slam which that does rafa does have that opportunity now to do that as well to do uh, that as well, something yeah. I, which something Federer hasn't even done because Federer only has one French Open, uh, Nadal only with one Aussie Open. So, yeah, a lot of, and, a lot of history that Rafa could go snag. I agree, and I think he, I think he probably senses that. And with his career coming to an end, this is a great opportunity for him to win the Australian Open, uh, put his year on a high. And I think you could even see him. I mean, you never know, but you could see him going through his swan song year this year. Uh, him and Federer have both hinted at it for a while. So if he kicks off his campaign with an Australian Open win, maybe wins the French as well, that would be a great way to end his career, I think, winning two of the four. Um, so I think it's kind of crazy win, to talk win about. Win up top at the Grand Slam title. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I think I think it's going to be really interesting to see. I, but the more, I mean, the more interesting side of the tournament is the women's side because no one knows who's going to win the women's side. Uh, you had Osaka going out this morning. Um and I just want to say Osaka also like made this comment after the game that I think is so is so nice to hear. She was just like, I came here because I want to play and I enjoyed playing and I and I enjoyed my time today. And for someone who has kind of been going through it and has been criticized for dropping out of tournaments and is criticized for some of the things that she's done to keep her mental health uh, in a stable place, I think it was good for her to go out and say that, you know? I think that that can take away some of the nonsense about oh, she's just doing this because she, did, you know, whatever. You know, she went out there. She did the best she could. She lost the game against Anisimova. There's a lot of great uh, young women. As we're seeing a lot of uh, favorites be upset, you know, Muguruza was upset really early on as well. But no Saka, no Serena, which I'm not saying Serena would have won. We know Serena's been having some hard trouble. Serena's done. Let, yeah. Let's be honest. She's done. Like, Fair enough. I feel like every time we talk about the majors and we can't do it, or the Grand Slam, sorry, um, we can't do it this time because she's not there. But we're always like, does Serena have a chance? I think we can put that. Uh, maybe she's got a tiger at the Masters in 2018 yeah. sort of performance out of her, where at you know out of nowhere she'll kind of sit out for a while, come back and play Wimbledon, the U.S. Open, and, and just play one great tournament and snag one. Otherwise, she's done. She is, but <clears throat> when you're talking about who could possibly, I I still think. I don't think she's the favorite. I would never say she's the favorite, but I still think that she's someone you have to consider. But I also think there's a no, reason. No, I'm that saying she- you don't. I'm saying it's done. I'm like, I don't think she 
I mean, uh, like with, I think Serena so, is fi- is finished as far as like actually. Do I think she could like make a run to the semis? Maybe she's done that a decent amount recently. She hasn't gotten anywhere past that. Like she just burns out, and and I I think again, there's you know, like you said, a lot of great young talent on the women's side as well. Right, and there's one young talent that's at the number one spot that is in her own country playing, and that's Ashley Barty, and I think that she has the best chance uh, to kind of win on home soil, especially now that Osaka has been eliminated. Not that <clears throat> Osaka was in the top five or anything like that, but she is the one. She was the defending champion, obviously, at the Australian Open. Um, so I think it's important to to point out that she's out. So Ashley Barty is kind of my favorite on the women's side. Yeah, I hope, I mean, I always I always hope Barty gets it done for Australia. I, I don't think a woman has won the Australian Open. So it. I always pick her, and she always seems to, to flare out early. Uh, but she's got a great chance this year. Hollop still in it, who I believe is the betting favorite. I don't know what the line is on her right now. Um, kind of looking to kind of take back the that crown. She really, I think, over the last few years has been the best women's tennis player. But I'm going to go with another first-timer. I'm going with Irina Sabalenka, number two ranked tennis mm. player in the world. I think she's going to go get her her first one. Uh, so I got I got two first-timers taking home Grand Slam titles down on that. We Dan love Anda. saying that. I really like saying down under. Down under. I also want to point out that you said I don't think a woman's ever won the Australian Open. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I said an Australian woman. Oh, no, it was just funny because I I was like, no woman has ever won. Never. No woman. Not, not, Never. not no no Australian woman has ever won the Australian Open. Right, and there we, we thought go. she would win last year. We I think we picked she, her last year. I picked I picked her the last like two years. <laughs> right, and uh, she hasn't got it done, but she does have that that title under her belt now. So maybe that will help her. That will help her move into Australia and get the win. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. I'm I'm so excited. I love tennis. Always uh, Grand Slam tennis is always exciting to watch. Uh, and I think the thing we're always waiting for, right? We talk about on the men's side, on the women's side, lot of young talent, right? But when are we going to find someone who not just gets their first, but gets their second, gets their third, gets their fourth? We haven't seen a lot of that from any of these young people yet. And granted, I know that they're very young, they have a lot of time, but at this point in their careers, Serena, Rafa Nadal, Roger Federer, they were doing that. So when when is one of these youngsters going to break themselves away from that pack and kind of establish themselves as the next person to beat? Well, I mean, I mean, maybe none of them. It could because I think with like particularly Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic, it's the most absurd anomaly I think you've ever seen in any sport to see probably the three greatest men's tennis players all be competing. Never really always at the, like Nadal and Federer were probably at their peak at the same time. I think by the time Joker got to his peak, you could say Federer and Nadal. But for the most part, playing together. Uh, and, and same thing with like Serena being an absolute beast. I, I, I think it's kind of, it could be like a tiger situation where just because there has been an athlete that's been so dominant, it doesn't mean that that's how the sport will follow. Um, it's like Ronaldo and Messi. We're not yeah. going to have a new Ronaldo and Messi dominate the Ballon d'Or, I think, for the next decade because, you know, there's a lot of great players, but not anyone. It just happens that they played in the same era. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just like so. There may there may not necessarily be one of those, but I mean, I think one of these players we're talking about will probably get multiple Grand Slam titles. I'm not saying that, but as far as you know, going on the same level as a Serena Williams or a Federer, 
I'm not, I don't think that's a, I, I guess what I'm saying is I don't think that's like a guarantee for the sport, but that technically happens. Right. Definitely a good point. Um, and, and that's even can be exciting in a different way, you know, just, I seeing, like it more. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, most it's, media and like ad people don't because they want stars and stuff just to right hang, but, uh, I like but it I, more. They can, they can regroup and start playing off the drama of who's going to win then they can, that they'll be fine. They'll, they'll be, be fine. they'll always be fine. I'm just saying that's what they prefer. The right. money prefers the star. I mean, like as much as we complain about even Alabama, like the ratings and stuff prefer a king like that because everybody watches because you're either cheering for Alabama or cheering to see the king be dethroned. Yeah, and it's kind of the same thing with star, like with LeBron James or Tom Brady. Like either you wanted to see Tom Brady win that Super Bowl or you were cheering against him. And they so, but I, I like I, I would I I prefer parody, right? Yeah, for the most part, I have some teams that make me not want to prefer parody, but you know that that happens too. That happens too. <laughs> I don't want parody for everybody. All right, no, let's parody stay for some. international, Yannick, and go yeah. to the 2021 African Cup of Nations. Love it's it. underway. We've made it to the knockout rounds, a tournament that never really gets enough attention. Uh, not as much as it, it as it deserves. Uh, African teams, that's kind of typical. Don't get their their due credit. Uh, so far, probably the biggest shock, Ghana. Oh, that's not true. Second biggest shock, Ghana getting knocked out, getting knocked out by the island nation Comoros. Comoros had never scored at the African Cup of Nations, and they put three away against Ghana to knock out Ghana. And the real biggest shock, the defending champions. Algeria knocked out as well before the knockout rounds. Uh, and this is a competition that's, I mean, making the knockout round isn't all that difficult. So you you probably should. I mean, I, how many, only eight teams don't make the knockout round. 16 teams move on. So that's not not a great performance by, by Algeria. But big time matchups even in the first round. Which first round matchup? Of the uh, round of 16, are you most excited for the African Cup of Nations? Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to uh, Ivory Coast versus Egypt is what I'm looking forward to. Ivory Coast finished top of their group. They obviously have a lot of stars. Nicolas Pepe from Arsenal, Sebastian Hilaire from Ajax, who is doing so well in the Champions League and in the Eredivisie. Maxwell Cornet, who plays in Burnley. Obviously, Wilfred Zaha, who plays for Crystal Palace. Um, <clears throat> however, you know... Egypt has Mohamed Salah, and in these tournaments, like, you can't discount that. Even though Egypt is not the best team in the, in the like, all over, in the knockout rounds, it takes one goal. And Ivory Coast hasn't kept a clean sheet yet, and they played Equatorial Guinea and Sierra Leone. You know what I mean? Like, they, they let in goals against those teams, so it goes to say that Salah is enough of a threat to, like, warrant knocking them out, even though they are first place in that group and they're kind of the higher-seeded team. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, Ivory Coast has been trying to come back to, like, that powerhouse in Africa ever since they had the DDA Drogba years. Um, so I'm really looking forward to see what they can do. But I think <clears throat> AFCON is the kind of equal tournament where one star like Mohamed Salah can make the difference. So we'll see if he can take his team into the quarterfinals. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we even saw it with just Egypt making the, the World Cup and just making it out of qualification in, in Africa at uh, 2018 in Russia. So that – that and, and, and I mean, also, like, Mo Salah is a pretty special player. Like, yeah. Mo Salah is a guy that 
he's he's not just like oh this one player we can maybe like he can do some stuff that you're kind of just like how the hell did you just do that which as you said in these sort of tournaments is it goes a long way um so yeah i think i think that one easily the the most kind of notable game the one i'm most excited for is nigeria against tunisia uh nigeria as usual one of the most talented teams in the competition you got the lester boys ahi nacho and ndidi alex awobi samuel chukwuizi uh and then tunisia i gotta give my tunisian some love uh my old roommate from los angeles kareem was from tunisia so i know he'll be cheering on his countrymen not quite as talented as as the big names from nigeria but another team who last world cup was able to make it out They, they play well as a team they got that young Manchester prodigy, Hannibal. Uh, so I think they'll be ready to challenge the Super Eagles. I expect Nigeria to, to make it through, but uh, I, I'm excited for that one as well as as Egypt and, and Ivory Coast. So, all right, John, who do you think is going to win the tournament? Yeah, it's hard, right? Because you have <clears throat> kind of two sets of teams here. You have, well, I guess three sets of teams. You have the teams that have like one really good player that can lead them far. We talked about Mahal and Salah with Egypt. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang with Gabon, Nabi Keita in Guinea. Um, so you have those teams. You have some surprising teams that, you know, Equatorial Guinea, Gambia, are they going to make it far? Probably not, but they are in the mix. No. Uh, but I think Nigeria has to be the favorite. Um, they've been consistently the better side in Africa for a long time in those top three positions in Africa. Uh, and so I definitely think they have the most talent. But I, I, my favorite... My favorite is is actually Cameroon, and here's why. They got Vincent Abubakar, five goals in three games for Cameroon, and in this type of tournament, you want that kind of hot player. Uh, they're doing really well. They've also been consistently one of the top teams in Africa. I think it comes down to those those two teams as to who's going to win it, uh, and with how Vincent Abubakar has been playing, I'm, I'm going to go with Cameroon. Uh, and, and the hosts, which... Always goes a long way in international tournaments. Like it, it really, really does. Um, and like you said, one of the most most talented ones. I, I'd be surprised if it wasn't Cameroon, Nigeria, or my pick. I, I'm going to go with the the Senegalese led by Sani Omane, uh, runners up of the last tournament. I, I mean, FIFA rankings, you know, take it what you want, but they are the highest ranked team in Africa right now. Um, and I think a team that's that's ready to go win their first title. But I, I really do think Nigeria, Cameroon, and Senegal all are are pretty clearly uh, a, a step above but it, it, it doesn't mean that another team won't make a run like i mean it if Saudi, or, uh, mo salah just turns it on for egypt I, like are you gonna be all that surprised no but uh, right i'm gonna go i'm gonna go with senegal right and, and there's another team i want to say to watch out for and it's and it's for an interesting reason mali doesn't have a lot of stars they finished first in their group they don't have a lot of stars I watched Mali uh, about three or four years ago at the FIFA U20 World Cup, where they knocked out Germany, where they held Brazil almost to the very end. They have a lot of good young talent, and I wouldn't be surprised if they made a surprising run and we see some of that talent start to really take shape. So I think uh, Mali could be a, a surprising team there. But I agree. I think with those three teams, I'd include the Ivory Coast as well. Um, but I think, yeah, Ivory Coast. I knew I was, I knew I was missing one. Yeah. So I think out of those four teams, there's a drop off after that. Um, but you know, lot, like I said, a lot of stars that play for these little countries, Obama Yang, Salah could definitely win games for those teams. Dude. And I mean, um, Molly, I feel like Molly historically is always pretty, a pretty solid African nation. But if you're talking dark horse, 
you said it with Navi Keita and, and Guinea. I, I really like that Guinea team and what, what I've seen from them in this tournament. I think they, I think they, I mean, I know I said I'd be surprised if it wasn't the big four, but I think they do have a shot to, to at least make a run and, and make some noise in the knockout round. That'd be funny. Are we thinking that the Guineas, Guineas mascot are the pigs? Like that feels like, that feels like, that feels like it's apt, the Guinea pigs. I think that's great. I don't. I don't know. I. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. It's probably something more majestic. I feel like all African people yeah, have a very I, majestic mascot. Oh God, yeah. They all. They all rule. The Ghana Black Stars, the Ivory Coast, uh, the. I, I mean, the elephants. I think they're the elephants. Yeah. Even uh, Mal, even Mali is just like the eagles. The what's, eagles. Uh, what's Nigeria? I'm the super eagles. Yeah. The super eagles. The super eagles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They are. They all are. Yeah, you can't really be the guinea like, especially against all those birds. You don't really want to be the guinea pigs. Uh, That's true. But yeah, it's it's a it's a fun tournament. If you're able to watch some, I definitely would. Like I said, I don't think the uh, the African nations get get their due credit or get their due service uh, enough, and they really have some some great teams down there and and a lot. I mean, when you're talking about some of the names we've talked about, like you're talking about not just some good players, like you're talking about the premier players in the world last little soccer news before we move to the nfl axel key youngest signing in mls history 14 years 15 days beating freddie adu's record of 14 years 168 days we all know how that went for freddie uh key born in ivory coast raised in brazil moved to america when he was 17 he's a 6-4 striker yon what do you expect from the from the young man uh, nothing. Not because I don't think he's a good player, but I, I need at least six years before I say anything about him. He has to be 20 before I'm like, oh yeah, he's going to do something. Because cause of Freddie Adu, you know, because of t- players like that. who play 17 with- or 18. <clears throat> right, like 17 or 18. 14 you- is so young. It's so young. Can you imagine trying to score a goal against, I don't know. Can you imagine going up against Josef Martinez in a challenge when you're 14 years old? That guy would murder you. That guy would well, murder you. I'm not. He is six four already, apparently. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, he's physically. Maybe he's got it. Certainly hands. helps. It but helps. No, I, no. But no, I get what you. I like. There's a difference. I like. It'll. It'll be a smoother adjustment for him. I'm like Erling Holland. Quickly, you know, has become a, an absolute physical dominator. But I think even when you're physically apt like that. When you go from playing, you know, a boys' game to a man's game, there's still an adjustment. Like he's not going to come in and and be, you know, bossing anyone around. Right, right. And I'll talk about Erling Holland later. Um, but I'm I'm definitely I, I'm definitely excited to see what happens of the youngster. You know, I always wish the best for them. And the good thing about starting young is you can have four bad years and still be 18. You know, you're you're going to be it's fine. True. So, so uh, the development, as long as he's with the right team and with the right staff, I think that you know. Starting early is always something that can benefit you. Yeah, and I was gonna move. I was gonna move on to football, but now I want to hear your Erling Holland thing. Uh, y- you know, we were gonna talk about. We were gonna talk we're gonna about talk about some knockout round upsets. I decided we're gonna move past it, but now I'm interested in the Erling Holland thing. Right. So now well, I wanna hear you, we wanted to talk about. We wanted to talk about uh, cup losses. And here's my thing with with Erling Holland. Right, he scored in that cup loss to San Pauli. And what I'll say is. St. Pauli is a team that is about to be in the Bundesliga, the number one and the number two Bundesliga. So losing to them, it's an upset for sure, but it's not like losing to some third league team. You know, it, 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 it's less of an upset than people take it as. 
But here's the thing. With, I wish I wish I knew who Byron had lost to, so I could say they, it's not. They like, lost it's not like losing to them. Oh Munchie yeah, they Gladback. Lo- yeah, yeah, they lost to Munchie Which Gladback. then, like, God, if Munchie Gladback played so well in that game, then they went off and they lost. Right, Munchie Gladbach is is our is our Forty ers team. Like, we lost five zero to them, and then we lost two one to them. We just can't play them. I don't know what it is, but regardless, here's the thing with Erling Holland. He scored in that game. It was a penalty. But here's the thing. When you're talking about stars, because he's always linked to Bayern, right? And they're like, when is when is Bayern going to finally pull the trigger on Erling Haaland? Lewandowski's getting older. Haaland's the player of now. Whatever. Here's my criticism of Erling Haaland. They are six points behind in the Bundesliga. They are out of the day of Pokal. They are out of the Champions League. All in games where you expect a star striker to help you get through. In that game against Bayern... Did he score? Did he really make an impact? Absolutely not. Could he help them get even into the knockout stages of the Champions League? No. And at the end of the day, San Pauli is not as good of a team. And if he's such an elite striker, he should be able to take his team into some kind of trophy conversation, which Lewandowski, his entire career has been able to do. When he was on Dortmund, he took Dortmund to the title. I'm bad, was, I'm bad to argue with you so much. When he was on Dortmund, Dortmund was in the Champions League final. Lewandowski wasn't 21. Lewandowski was, what, 24, 25? He was, no. he was a few years older and had a much more talented team. Okay. A much more talented team. Fair enough. Because I, I at first I was going to be like, you know what? Yeah, that's true. Lewandowski, because I, I, I was going to be like, no, I don't think that's fair. Because first off, I actually don't think it's fair because he's 21 years old. Like, I, how much – like the He's supposed to be the next thing. The fact that he's doing what he's doing right now is kind of absurd. Uh, but no, that, those Dortmund teams that that Lewandowski had were all so much better than what Holland has. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And I'm not saying he's not a good striker. I said my criticism of him still because whether he likes it or not, whether he's too young for us to make this or not, people are putting him among the top strikers in Europe, and that's my criticism. I think he is. I don't think he is yet. I think he's got that one thing he to fix, though. He absolutely is. That's okay. not – just – I mean, Yannick, if, if that's the thing, then why didn't Robin Lewandowski get Bayern past Borussia Mönchengladbach? Yeah, that's one – but they're still leading in the Bundesliga. They're still in the Champions League. Tournaments can <laughs> Tournament, happen. Yeah, Dortmund like, won't win a title this a year. Team. They're the number two team, and they couldn't win the tournament even with Bayern out already. Yeah, they should have won that. That doesn't. That's not just on Erling Holland, a 21-year-old striker. No, you're right. It's not. But he could like, how did you be like, game. Dortmund's not – he's not a star striker because he couldn't win a game. When that happens for every striker. If he's every, not one of the top five strikers, strikers in Europe. He's not one of the top five strikers in Europe. That's what I'm saying. You think he's a top five striker in Europe? Because they're they're I, saying it's I, Mbappe, it's him, it's Lewandowski, it's Salah. And I think Ronaldo. he's better than Mbappe. I think he's better than Mbappe. Oh, <laughs> I, okay. I absolutely think he's better than Mbappe. All right, the way he I'm, plays his physicality. He maybe he will sure. be one day. You don't, no. you, Yannick. You have a, a a bias against Bayern rivals. I don't have so any. So like any any praise he gets while he's with Dortmund, you're gonna argue against it. That's like saying you talking about the 49ers has no weight either. I have nothing against them. No, I've a, watched it. That would be like if it was a Bears player. I'll admit I have biases against teams. I don't give Iowa State any credit. We, we do as fans. I, okay. But the Niners, no. That's How is that a comparison? Uh, right. But like, no, I, I don't think you're – What I'm saying you're is – You're being too hard on the guy is what I'm saying. Maybe I'm being too hard on the guy. Like I said, I started this off by saying my criticism of him. That doesn't mean I'm I'm discounting him as a player at all. I just think people who say that he's better than Mbappe are are pushing it too far. Because what Mbappe could do is so take me? his team. 
Yeah, I think you're. Yeah, you. Why would you, say, you. why would you say people that are saying that? I just said it. You can just say me. Yeah, you and others. I mean, you're not the only one. If it was just nah, you, I, I would say Matt, you're wrong. No one's saying that. But like, it's well, if you're talking people. to me. I don't give a shit what anybody else said. You're talking okay. to me. Okay, Matt. I think when you say that he's better than Mbappe. I agree that physically he's got a lot of things that maybe Mbappe doesn't, but I think a big a big point and a big characteristic of a top five striker is their ability to get them farther in important tournaments and get them titles. He has not gotten Dortmund if a title. If Erling Holland was playing for PSG, you don't think he'd be helping them? Come on! These, these are not fair comparisons! I'm so not should, so so since Norway didn't win the World Cup, he's not as good as Mbappe. I didn't say that for a very specific reason. I didn't say that for a very specific yeah, reason. Yeah, but like to be like his team should be doing better and and because Mbappe's team is doing better, Mbappe is better, that argument is is unfair, is all I'm saying. Like I just don't think that's fair uh, of an argument. Like if you want to say Mbappe's better and tell me and give me like legitimate reasons, that's fine. I think it's I think it's a legitimate debate. I prefer Holland just because of his size, and I think going on in his career, it'll it'll help him be a more dominant player. Uh, right. But like to to say that Mbappe is better because his teams have performed better is is pretty unfair. Because if you switch the guy's spots, do you really think Dortmund would be doing that much better, and do you really think PSG would be doing that much worse? I I don't know. No, but what I'm saying is Mbappe has shown a propensity to score in the clutch, and I don't think Holland has. Holland scores against teams that they're already beating 3-0. He can't score in games where they need to make the next round against a second league team. I've seen, I've seen. I mean, I don't have any like sources to cite right now, so it's like, but they needed to make I've the champion. I've seen him score big goals before. Does he do it every time they need a big goal? No, but I guess I don't really know a striker that does. I, I mean. Ronaldo so, scores every time. Lewandowski scores when they need a goal. That's what happens. No, I mean, I, I've watched Ronaldo every game he plays. He doesn't score every time we need a goal. He scores a lot. You're right. He does. Okay. He, he doesn't score every single time. Here's what we want. We'll have this debate again when you can pick one clutch goal that he's needed that has helped his, helped his team get by. Because right now, I've seen him play Bayern about five times, hasn't scored an, a meaningful goal in any of them. When they needed right, so, to, uh, when they could Bayern, okay, like... Right. When they needed to make the Champions League qualify, not even like win the first place, could not score the goals they needed to get to get them to the next round in any of those games. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, I'll watch those games. I'll watch those games, too, where you're saying he didn't score and see if he had opportunities, because you can't also you can be like, oh, that striker didn't score. Well, did his team ever give him a chance to score? Like, right. And that's the thing, too, like. If okay. you're a wide receiver and you didn't have any catches, but your quarterback never threw you the ball, or every time he did, threw it ten feet over your head, like, did you get the service? So I, I, I mostly I just don't think like for a 21 year old striker, I agree. You can argue that Mbappe is better. I don't know if I'd put him top five striker, but I do think he's one of the best strikers. And I mean, if you told me Man United could get him, I'd be pumped. Um, right, absolutely. But I don't so, think. But like to be like, oh no, he's not all that good. Because I didn't say it was not all that good. I said it was the one thing that he doesn't have. I said it's my criticism you of seemed, you seemed pretty. You seemed pretty critical of him. Yeah, I'm criticizing one thing. I'm criticizing yeah, one thing. Yeah, but it thing. was like, you were, yeah, and you were like saying he wasn't great. I said he's great. I just don't think he's top five. And when you're talking about getting rid of Lewandowski to bring in Holland, you're saying that the two are interchangeable. And they're not. They're not yet. They're not they yet. Should get, they should get rid of Lewandowski and move on to Holland. 
Okay. Well, when we are further in the Champions League and win the Bundesliga again and all of that, then we'll talk. But, like, you know, I just, I disagree because, yeah, because Holland doesn't do anything for his team that Lewandowski doesn't do for ours. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, yeah, no, like, what, what? So if you guys got Holland, you wouldn't win the Bundesliga, you wouldn't get further in the Champions League. What are you arguing? I'm saying that I think with Lewandowski having 38 goals in this game, that Holland would not be doing the same if he was on our team. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but you would still. You were saying that they wouldn't be like winning the boon. You didn't say the goals. You were talking about the competition. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like a flip it. Maybe I maybe it was not an actual argument, but no, it was. It was just me saying that. You know, I think you guys would still be okay. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe Erling Holland would destroy Bayern Munich. Hey, listen. Erling Holland is a lot of great he sucks, things. Man. He's physical. He's really great with his hand. And he, he's you know what? Twenty-one. Yeah, you know, but we judge players when they're twenty-one nowadays. He was be- he's better than Robin Lewandowski was at twenty-one. You're right. We're gonna do. We're gonna. I mean, we're gonna do that sort of. No, a hundred percent. But when someone is twenty-one and they're being named among the top five in the league, which they are, I, you can say that you're not ranking him there, but they are. And the fact that you're arguing that he's better than Mbappe, and you want to say all of this teams thing, it's like, it's. I can say the same thing back, that greats have always kind of been able to elevate their teams, even if they're not the best. That has also happened in history. So it's kind of a, it's back and forth comments saying, well, this and this and this and this. Yeah, there's always excuses for players. And I'm not saying he's not a good player. And you're right, if he was on PSG, maybe he would be killing it there too. It's hard to say because those are all scenarios we don't know. I'm just saying that when we're talking about top five strikers in the league, the one thing that he's missing that I don't think any of those other players are, Mbappe, Lewandowski, Salah, Ronaldo, and I don't know who the fifth one I said earlier was, not Holland, um, is that clutch team. That's all I'm saying. He's got everything else. See, he's that's not what you else. came in saying. You were like far more I said my criticism of him. I said my criticism no. of him was. Yeah, you were critical of him, and you just like came in on attacking him. You're, you didn't say... I don't think Erling Holland is a top five striker in Europe because of these reasonings. I'm sorry, I didn't set that, up my argument then right. Then I would have probably been far more on your side on it. You just okay. came in and were like, he can't score clutch goals. He's not good. Byron shouldn't get him. Rival Lewandowski. That's a completely different like thing that you're saying. Well, before yeah, I'm we're moving able- on. We're moving on. All right, we're we're moving on. Yannick has Yannick has changed any of his pro Packer talk to all Niners talk. Oh, I Yannick. can't wait because now I'm just gonna I'm gonna tell you all the reasons that you're gonna be alone and crying <laughs> on Saturday. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, we just took a, we just took a little break, not because we were heated, just because of my small bladder. But Yannick just changed all of his notes. He's just like Aaron Rodgers sucks. I, my my whole rest of my news notes is why Aaron Rodgers won't be remembered. That's really what it is. It's just like he's the biggest choke artist of all time. Can't wait. Uh, but before we before we get to that, let's go to the wild card review. I I promise I'm going to be really very nice to the Patriots, which oh, I actually I'm actually I mean like I said earlier that yeah we had a good season, but yeah. wild card review, Yannick. Who, in your opinion, was the most impressive team last week? Well, I'll, I, I'm going to start off by replaying a bad memory. The Buffalo Bills smashing the Patriots by 30. And, and not just doing that because, you know, we knew Josh Allen was capable of that. And we knew the defense, which I this morning they said it was statistically the best pass defense in decades in the entire NFL. The best pass defense in decades. 
um, statistically. So, like, we knew that that was possible, especially with Mac Jones, a young rookie quarterback at the helm, you know, and, and some injuries and some defensive problems that we aren't used to seeing with the Patriots. Fair enough. But they beat the Patriots with a good run game. And I've been saying this whole time, the one thing that I don't trust about the Bills is their run game. And all of a sudden, they have a run game. And in that, I'm just like, scary for any team in every angle. They're very complete now. It was the one thing that I was like, that's how you can beat them. And they showed against a good run defense still in the Patriots, maybe not as good as we've seen, but they showed against a decent run defense that that combination of Josh Allen and Devin Singletary can be scary for any team they face. Yes, the Kansas City Chiefs too. Yeah, I mean, Devin, Devin Singletary the last few games has looked, I think, is probably as good as he ever has in Buffalo. Absolutely. Uh, they really, and I think, like, we've given him credit before for just the development of Josh Allen, but I think, and, and you see this with all great teams. It's why Belichick's won six Super Bowls. You see with the Chiefs and, and their defense this year, but I think good teams, good organizations, they like, what are we doing wrong? What Or what are we not, you know, what are we failing at? And that, that was certainly the run game for Buffalo and they've attacked it and, and, and made it a lot better. Uh, certainly Buffalo, extremely impressive. I'll, I'll pick another team just for, for different sakes and I'll go with the Rams. Um, Obviously, the Cardinals were kind of reeling themselves. They weren't, you know, the most formidable team, but but still a good team, a tough, you know, 5-4 matchup. You've got that night game. I think we were all expecting uh, a pretty decent battle because it's not like the Rams were coming in all that hot either. They had just, you know, blew a game away against the Niners the past weekend. Um, and, and Stafford, there was, you know, the question, would he be jittery and stuff and, you know, still hadn't won a playoff game? I think it certainly helped having, like, a home playoff game against a young quarterback as opposed to, like if the Rams' first game was against the Buccaneers on the road, maybe it'd be different. Uh, but now he's got that win under his belt. And and just like you say, the B- Bills got a chance on the road this weekend. I, I think the Rams do as well. I agree. That was the second team I was going to pick. Uh, obviously, I, I got to see the Bills play a little more up close and personal. So I had to pick them because I watched every play that they beat us with. <laughs> I, I, dude, I turned that Rams game off so early. I was like, this is over. This is over. It was very I think over. as soon as that I think as soon as that pick made it 21-0. And just like how that pick happened, like the way Kyler just looked so helpless. And it was such a sad looking ball and a two yard, like I think it was two yard, maybe it was a little more yards, but like basically two yard like it was just the saddest play where you're like you're not coming back from that arizona right yeah it felt like uh yeah it felt like the georgia play uh except georgia actually had a chance um you know when he threw it and they caught it right before the other that's exactly what it looked like a little bit um but yeah it's it's yeah it's hard for me i i put the bills first also because the patriots were i think playing as well as they could have in the circumstances and i think the Cardinals are a lot weaker than teams. Have oh yeah, I know. If you're choosing, you're splitting hairs between the two. It's Bills all the way. Only reason I went with Rams was just to just to give another team a nod. But like the Bills' offensive performance was absurd. Like they absurd. Absurd. It, it was just and and like I actually do think they had a great chance this weekend. I believe right now I'm probably leaning towards taking them spoiler alert later on. But I, I also like, I think sometimes he does get a little overblown. We're like, now they're just like, Oh, this is the greatest offense ever. And it is a great offense. It's clicking. Like, I, I think they're still going to be good. I don't think like we can expect that level of offensive efficiency and, and explosiveness, but maybe I'm wrong. And maybe they'll, you know, some nice team just go on, on runs like that. Uh, let's move on. 
Kyler Murray, still a great quarterback. I think if you're an Arizona fan, you still have to be excited about the future. I'm not really a great, you know, huge Kingsbury fan. But overall, I think it's a solid season for the Cardinals, uh, especially considering where they've been. If you're choosing between Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert, who I know missed out on the playoffs, but, you know, phenomenal season and just missed out, or Joe Burrow, which of those young quarterbacks are you taking, Young? And honestly, uh, if there's another young one that you want to pick instead of those three, you can. I just went with what I think are probably the three best options right now. Where's Mac Jones? Um, no. <laughs> um, I think hey, between- Mac is great. Mac's great. He's not any of those guys, though. Patriots would have won, would would have been closer if they had one of those. At least guys. not yet. At least not, not yet. yet. Yeah, he's got more Bro, development to go. That, um, that time, I gotta go with Joe Burrow. Here's why: he makes the least mistakes and he plays well despite a not great offensive line. Like they literally need to, to, to like break his leg in order to stop him last this, his first season. And and now that he's stayed healthy, he's in the playoffs, has a playoff win. You know, he deserves to be there. And then First some. one for the Bengals in 31 yeah. freaking years. And that's kind and of... they got a good quarterback. Like, we're like, it's not like the Bengals have been like a crappy team for the last 30 years. Andy Dalton, consistent playoff team with them. Carson Palmer, consistent playoff team with them. Like, yeah, just haven't, yeah, just haven't been able to get it done. And granted, he's got other players to thank for helping him there. But I think the, the coolness and the composure of which he has played compiled like combined with the statistics that go along with it uh and the swagger he's got i i think i'd want to take him he's a young guy but he acts like he's been there before and it's great you want that and justin herbert's slowly behind that i think he's kind of gonna you know start to creep up on joe burrow um still has some like plays that he forces which i think is is a big thing and kyler murray's just a completely different player and I, i i just it's hard for me to gauge him because I do think Kingsbury is ruining that team. So, like, I I think that I, I'm not 100% sure. But Joe Burrow, he's the real deal. He's here and now. So I'm going to go with Joe Burrow out of those three. I, I'm curious. Are you going with another one? Uh, no, not not for not for uh, different sakes or transfer, whatever the word I'm different sake. I, quite a wordsmith over here. But, no, <laughs> I, I'm not going to be different on this one. I think, like you said, I mean, Kyler's impressed me, but he – his size will always just kind of worry me. I think the the argument you could make for Herbert is he probably does have, you know, the physical tools on Burrow. Like Herbert's going to be able to make plays that just some like few people on the planet are going to be able to make just because he's six, six and fast and has a cannon of an arm. But yeah, I think you, I mean, like, how do you not go with Burrow? And you said it, it's, it's the swagger. Like not only is he a great quarterback and, mm. and you know, like we said, broke the playoff uh, drought in Cincinnati, but he he acts like he's been there before, like you said. Like when they're winning these games and, and all this stuff, if there's no sense of and I don't think this is always like a bad thing to do, especially when you're a young team or a young player, but there's no sense of like, yeah, we're really excited that we accomplished this. It's like, yeah, this is what we should be doing. We're trying to go win a Super Bowl. Like I I don't give a shit if we win a wild card game. That means nothing. And that sort of like very business and it's it's not, there's no air about it. Like it didn't, cause sometimes a lot of guys, you know, do that. And you're just like, man, you feel like so, so talk. Like we know that you're not, but he really is. It's just like, no, like, I don't, that's not my concern. We're trying to go win the Lombardi. Right. And he's like, that's job- part of the reason you pick him. Yeah. He's like job done. And they're like, no, it's like, job's not done. <laughs> job's oh, not done. Job's not done. The old, the old, the old Kobe line. Job's yeah. not done. I agree yeah, though. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we can't we can't agree on that one. Let's talk a little coaching. 
Uh, Mike McCarthy with. <laughs> I mean, as I watch, like honestly, even just even just his last his last few years in Green Bay, this this thought started to pop into my head, and it's rattling around my head basically every single day he's been in Dallas. How the hell did he lead us to a Super Bowl? Mm. Like you, winning the Super Bowl is hard. Like he had to have done some good coaching, and I think he is a good coach. But is he? I don't think situ- he is situ- anymore. I, I mean, I don't think he is anymore. Yeah, maybe that's more. I, I yeah, I think his time is is done. Um, as, as being a good coach, good good point. But maybe even worse in press conferences when you go and say your team is nervous, which is literally just kind of putting blame on yourself for not doing your job. Mm. Mm, yeah, it, it's, um, I mean, anytime that you can tell that it's the coach that's going to tank a team season, and then that's exactly what happens, it, it's, I mean, there's nothing else you can say. And, and it's just, it's bewildering because he's not a good coach on two different levels. I feel like he's not a good coach in that he doesn't organize his different coordinators well enough, where they feel like they're doing something independent of what the game plan is anyway, and there doesn't seem to be any cohesion with him, which is why sometimes we see the defense playing great, and sometimes we see the offense playing great, but there never seems to be they're playing great at the same time. Like, it always seems like one of them doesn't know what the hell they're doing. And that's the coach's job when you're not a coordinator, uh, in a coordinated position, to, like, make sure everybody is on the same page. And number two, those limited jobs that he has with these two coordinators, he can't do any of them. I mean, I was watching him and thinking... Is there some sort of dementia that's happening? Like, is he like, you know, is he declining mentally? Like, I don't even... Is forgetting what this game just is? Right, because there's no other explanation for me for, like you said, someone who led you to a Super Bowl to all of a sudden seem like, oh man, I coached my son's team in, in college once when the coach was out and now I'm in the NFL. Like, I don't get it, man. I do not get it. And it's bewildering to me that... Like, we talk about how news outlets are so dumb and what they talk about all the time. Get Up predicted this happening. For, like, five months they predicted this happening. That he would cost them oh, the game. And it's like... Dude, I'm... Crazy. The writing's been on the wall this whole thing since he's been there. Like, it's been... It's been... I don't think they they will move on Yeah. this year. But I, I think they will next year. Like this is like since he's joined the team, like his entire tenure has just been bad. Like it's been bad press, and they had a, a good team this year. I think the team, and you know, I it's far better for Dallas the overhype they get than that they, they don't get. Like if Jack's going to get a lot more flack for this loss than he would if he wasn't for Dallas. But he also gets a lot more commercials. So, you know, you take the good with the bad playing for the Cowboys. Right. Because, like, I, I think, like, just on this game on a scale, like, people would be like, man, I can't believe the Niners won. Well, a lot of us picked it. And the Niners kind of were the better team. If anything, the Niners were the team that, like, kind of gave the game away. The, really, the only thing that, like, the Cowboys did really, really horribly was all the penalties, which is, again, kind of like a head coach Thing that you're like, why is your team not more disciplined in that, in that sort of sense and everything? But uh, I, yeah, like I just feel like with Dallas, you're you know you're always under the microscope more. Like you get more praise, but you do get more flack. And McCarthy's just like made himself the easy like 
you're always going to be a big target in Dallas. So don't make it easier. Don't make the target easier to hit. Right. And you're right. The only thing that's worse than him on the field is him in press conferences. And it's, it's every, every time he gets there, he says something that is, makes his job somehow harder. Uh, and I just, you know, it, it, I, I, I don't, I, who, I always, who doesn't like rooting against the Cowboys, right? Who doesn't like rooting against the Cowboys right. if you're not a Cowboys fan? But it's almost becoming like I don't want to root against them because I'm like, guys, this is like getting really embarrassing. They're kind of becoming likable. Yeah, exactly. Like they're, they've been so like, because like, you're just like, man, are you, you guys are not good. Like <laughs> yeah. you can't, you guys are getting Bengals level of, of like playoff performance. Right. I mean, you have some good like teams, but like, yeah, the Cowboys are, are oddly enough becoming easier and easier to pull for. Like when I was growing up, they, the Cowboys could have been playing. I, I don't even know who I was going to say. It's probably something like bad. I was going to say like, <laughs> I'm trying to think of something good. Some Army's football team oh, who's yeah. a bad guy. A North Korea's team. And yeah. I probably would have picked. I probably would have cheered against North Korea. Now, I, there's games on where I'm like, yeah, I hope Dallas wins. Like, I, I like Dak. I like Dak, yeah. I like Dak. I like CeeDee Lamb. Um, I don't, and, you I don't know, like Jerry Jones. I don't, no. And that's really the problem. Actually, I kind of love Jerry Jones. I think we, he's hilarious. I think he's horrible at being a GM. Right, of course. Of course. And I agree with you. I don't think the Cowboys are going to make a couching change. Even though, like, yeah, it's been, like, not that long. And you think, oh, you can't really evaluate it not that long. But, like, there is a paper trail that you can evaluate that in this year alone where you can be like, oh, Mike McCarthy is the reason we lost. Like, he is the reason we lost. So Well, and, like, you know, there's times, too, where, like, like, Brian Flores, like, yeah, I know he only had nine and eight, nine, like, never a great, great season. But the three seasons he had in, in Miami, the team he took over was crappy. Like, he, he was had to build up a team. Mike McCarthy took over a team that was good, and their head coach wasn't getting it done. Like, all Mike McCarthy had to, was supposed to do is slide in and be able to put the championship pieces mm. all together because, like, they apparently had them already, you know? Right. And, and you know, that's a Jerry Jones thing. Mike McCarthy was never built for Dallas. I don't think he's the kind of person that succeeds in Dallas. But at the same time, Jerry Jones can't fathom having someone with a backbone because he can't deal with that. And it's exactly. the same thing that happened in the past with all the great coaches that have coached for the Cowboys before. And, you know, they're going to suffer because of it. And, and I, you can't really get an owner away from a team. So I guess they're going to have to struggle and struggle until Jerry Jones kicks it but like up until that point um they're gonna struggle wouldn't and you, struggle some wouldn't more don't you think eventually he kind of just like like in no, no matter what situation you're in no matter what you're doing if you're trying to accomplish something and you keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again and you don't accomplish it don't you think maybe a step back and be like what should we change here what what is what is the constant that's not working jerry right. Right, exactly. And I also think that, I mean, what do you think it would take? Because I, I think we both agree he's not getting fired this year. I think we can both agree on that. Yeah, um, he's, he's, they're not, not going to fire him. Yeah, it's historically not what Because they, like you said, because like you said, Jerry likes the situation. Like Jerry, at the end of the day, like likes having the control more than he likes winning Super Bowls, clearly. Right, he likes it having the control. And I think some weird part of him likes if his teams, if he, he would rather his team 
be losing and blame the coach than like have his team be winning and thank the coach. I feel like that's true. Right. And I, and I yeah. don't know how you succeed as a team like that. Um, you know, it's kind of weird anyway, but how, how good do you think McCarthy has to do next year to avoid getting fired? I mean, with Jerry, you never know. I would think has to at least make the Super Bowl. Okay. Maybe can maybe could make the NFC Championship game and save his job depending on their seed. But if they're like if they have a great regular season, if they're the, the number one seed, maybe even the number two seed, and they lose in the NFC Championship game, then I think he's probably gone. Right. And I think, yeah, I put NFC Championship game just because I don't think that they'll be the number one seed. I still think there's much they'll better. win their division. Right. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Philly, Washington, Giants. None of those three are going to challenge them for the East next year. What are you talking about? Washington has it all figured out. <laughs> you know, for the roster they have, Washington is like really good. They are good. They just need they need some other stuff. But yeah, I agree. It's Quar- it's just quarterback. Yeah, it's just going to be mediocre in, in Dallas for some years to come. So I'm sorry. I know if Ahmed Neural Dame is listening, I know you're a big Cowboys fan, and uh, I don't. I'm sorry for you. I don't know really what to say. <laughs> it should be. They should be better. They uh, should be. They should poor, be. poor decision making, and you know, I guess your team, you, you know, I gotta get your team loose. The Niners were loose; they're ready to go out there and have fun, and you know, I guess like as the higher seed, there is more pressure on you, but you can't, you can't think about the pressure. Got to be prepared. As far as a coach that I'm going to argue should stay, we both think the Cowboys should make a change. We don't think they will at least this year. The Raiders, do they stick with Pisaccia? I think I think they have to, right? Like I like I have I have no idea if they will. I kind of I kind of think they won't, sadly, especially because the Raiders. If there's any team that you know is the second fiddle to the Cowboys' volatile behavior, it's the Raiders. Uh, but like, particularly with the Mike Mayock firing, that one kind of surprised me. Maybe they just figured with Gruden gone and they just want to change the whole regime. But that's what makes me think they won't stick with Bisaccia. But I think this team needs stability. They're not a team that, you know, it's a team that's ready to win right now without a few pieces. Like, it's not a team that's on its way. It's like, it, it needs to, to do this thing right now. You get the stability with him. And most importantly, like, all of his players clearly freaking love him. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the biggest things that you ever, like, need or want from a head coach is that the players are buying in they all have bought in so if i'm the raiders i think it's like the easiest decision in the world but i think they're gonna mess it all up because it's the raiders right i agree because that owner is still that owner too you know what i mean he has anyone with that haircut does not make good decisions 100 percent. i think they should keep bisaccia at least for a year there's nothing that there's no coach out there that's going to take you to the next... Unless you got Harbaugh, maybe, then you could. I could see you making like a argument for that, you know, wanting to get the best coach in the market. But for me, there's no coach that's going to automatically elevate them to Super Bowl level. And you're right. This year has been super hard, and the fact that Bisaccia got his players to buy into him, the whole team seemed one of the most kind of together teams, despite them losing in the first round, especially the way that they got past the Chargers. Um, and you have to remember all of the stuff that happened this season with Henry Ruggs, with John Gruden. It doesn't just end. Like, that stuff is still going to have, like, repercussions going forward mentally and, and spirit-wise for the team. That stuff is still happening. So, like, 
you know, you I, I would keep them for another year because you want to make sure that you don't you don't lose the progress you've already made with the team after all of this stuff happened. Exactly. It, like he's been great just to keep the morale up. Keep him for another season. If he doesn't get you what you want, feel free to fire him. That's that's then you can be like, listen, we gave you a season because you did so well, and and you st- we haven't gone any further, and now goodbye. And then you don't have to feel bad about it. But while they are in win now mode, I also don't think that making this change is going to take them to that win now. So I think keep Basachi for another year. Um, you know, keep that stability. Start to build on the team that you have that is a really great team, and then you can make the choice after if it doesn't work out. Um, they they do they are in win now, but they're not in Rams win now, where they're like, oh my god, we're gonna suck for the next fifteen years, <coughs> and we need to win now, right? They do have at least yeah. a year of a buffer where they can give Basachi another year, and for sure, and, and most importantly, Car- especially quarterback age, age now, like Carr's not that old, and the rest of the roster is pretty young, right? And Derek Carr is is that team, and he you can tell he buys into Basachi more than he did into John Gruden and more than he has in any coach so far. And when he buys in, Derek Carr can, can plays like a top five quarterback sometimes, you know? So if you can, if you can keep him there consistently, especially with a coach who he trusts to make the plays like he did against the chargers going into that overtime, that's how you win as the Raiders. So I think they have to keep Basaccia. I agree. I don't know if they will. I can't say that they won't, I think also the pool of coaches, even though we have a lot of names, isn't the most inspiring. You know, it's not like, oh, there's that need to have coach that if you don't get, you're missing a once in a lifetime. I will I will say, though, I think that's a, a silly way to look at coaching searches. I used to always be like thinking in that sort of sense. But then we hired the floor and I was like, I've never heard of you. What is this hiring? I'm pissed. I was so and, and he's killed it. Right. So I don't always think just the, the buzz name. Like sometimes the under the radar guys are good. They um, are, but I but I also get what you mean, and and I think more to the point that you made earlier um, is, yeah, I don't think there's a coach that's going to come in and all right now it's Super Bowl ready. Like it's more of a roster change. So like we said, we we he's got you know there's stability. There's they know him. You don't have to like because sometimes you bring in a coach and it's all right. Here's the new playbook. Here's the new all the, like you don't have to do any of that and. Have you seen the the video of him and like Zane Jones on the sideline? Yeah, I have. I have. It's awesome. He's like it's Zane awesome. Jones, like you're doing a great job. Like, what? That's I don't even need to interview the guy. Hire him. That's all I want to see. Especially like we said, the success isn't just there connection wise. It's you know showing it on the football field as well. Right. I mean, look but, at uh, look at some of the players that did better. Josh Jacobs was a monster after Basaccia took over. Zay Jones, you talk of, he was a forgotten receiver when he got to when he left the Bills. Now he's like a number two there. And I and I mean, G. Ryan Winfro, stud. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that all the players are benefiting from it. And I just think after all the instability they've had since they tried to bring Antonio Brown to town, they need to just have stability for a year and see the benefits that it reaps.